So this week we are going to continue our Advent series as we celebrate when Christ first came to us as a baby in a manger all those years ago. And as we look forward to when he will someday come again. As Matt pointed out last week, during these weeks leading up to Christmas, we'll be focusing on three main aspects of Jesus' role as the Christ, the, the promised Messiah. And each of these roles were emphasized in the Old Testament, and so we saw types of Christ many, many years before he was born to the Virgin Mary. As types of Christ, they foreshadowed what Jesus would do, who he would be, and the promises that we have in him. But when Christ came, and when he will come again, he would fill the roles in a greater, more complete way than those in the Old Testament, or as we'll see today, the New Testament as well, ever could. We see that pretty clearly in the role we are looking at this morning. We have named our Advent series Prophet, Priest, and King, and our sermon this morning is titled Christ the Priest. The text we'll be looking at is found in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. We do not know for sure who the author of Hebrews is. Some speculate uh, Paul is the author. Other believes it is a, others believe it was Apollos. The theories are many, but the book is fantastic. It is written, as one might guess in the title, to the Hebrews. It's written to the people of God, but to a people who are in danger of missing the forest for the trees. They've had all these ideas of, of who and what the Messiah would be, and Jesus didn't really fit into that box as, as nicely as some would have hoped he would. But in the book of Hebrews, the author takes a lot of time to walk through who Jesus was and why that's so important, and the implications of what that means for not only the Hebrews, but for all believers. One of the statements made about Jesus in this fantastic book is found in our text this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to read along. There should be a Bible in the pew in front of you, but if you'd prefer, the words will be on the screens beside me. Again, the text is Hebrews chapter 4. We'll be looking at verses 14 to 16 as we read the word of the Lord this morning. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Thus ends the reading. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would speak through your word this morning, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. Praise in your name. Amen. When I was young and and growing up in church, we lived in a very small town in northern Canada. Our church, it wasn't very big, but I was fortunate enough to have a few other boys my age whose families attended. It was nice to have friends that, that came to church with me, but, but though we were friends, I was the one who was more on the outside of the, of the friends' circle. Two of the boys would often go to one another's house after service was over. And many Sundays, it was my mission to get myself invited along. They were best friends, and, and we were all friendly, but that didn't mean that they necessarily wanted me to join them every Sunday. And so, my first task would be to convince them that they wanted me. 
My second task would be to convince them to ask their mom to talk to my mom so that I could get invited without making it look like I had invited myself. Anyone else play these shenanigans that's familiar to like, to like anyone else, right? I, I want this thing, but I don't want to look too needy, and I, and I don't want to get in trouble, so I have to find an, an intermediary that will advocate on my behalf so that what I'm hoping will take place takes place. And man, it was the worst when I'd overhear the conversation between my friend and their mom. Right? Hey, Mom, Daniel wants to know if he can come over, and he'd like it if you could talk to his mom about it. My goodness. Could you have sold me out any more fully and made me look any, any more desperate, any more needy? And, and maybe that is what got me the most. Because I was desperate. I was needy. I wanted to be included. I wanted to be wanted. I wanted to feel like I was part of the group. Like people wanted me around. I wanted them to desire my company so much that they were the ones approaching their mothers and advocating for me. And sometimes they did. But it feels like to me, standing here all these years later in it, man, it certainly felt like to me, the young boy hoping to find acceptance and inclusion that I had to beg for people to want me around, to include me, to value me, more times than I was organically invited. As a young boy, a good mediator is hard to find. That's something we share with the people of the Old and even the New Testaments. When God used Moses to deliver the people from Egypt, Moses' brother Aaron was with him. In Exodus 40, we see God anointing Aaron and his sons as priests. And it states in verse 15, their anointing will be to a priesthood that will continue throughout their generations. This priesthood was to serve as the mediators between the people, of, between the people and God. This priesthood was to pray for the people, offer sacrifices for them, and minister to God on their behalf. The prophets were the voice of God to the people, and the priests were the voice of the people back to God. This was a pretty important role. This is a, this is a pretty big deal. So how did they do? <laughs> well, Aaron, the first priest, when Moses was up on the mountain and gone for too long, did what the people wanted him to he created a new God for them to worship, a calf made of gold. It, it wasn't a great start. And though the priests throughout the Old Testament often did an admirable job of advocating before God on Israel's behalf, they too were broken and failed sinners. Some of them weren't even, even good men. We see this in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 3, where we read Eli and his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. And then in the next chapter... 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12, we read, Eli's sons were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord. And yes, it's not like Eli had two sons that were priests, and then the rest of his sons were scoundrels. The priests were the scoundrels that had no regard for God. The verses that follow this statement go on to give examples of how Eli's sons abused their powers as priests. 
Not all priests were good people or good advocates. And this becomes even clearer in the New Testament, doesn't it? During the times of the New Testament, priests had begun to put themselves on a pedestal. The priests of the Old Testament had had grown up and over time become a sect that called themselves the Sadducees. They were elitist and aristocratic. They didn't concern themselves as much with the common man as they did with their political aspirations. They were the ruling class of the Jews in Israel. They had set themselves up as a better caste, a more important people, a people above the common man. They were incredibly out of touch with the people that they were to be advocating for. How miserable that must have been for the people of Israel, those in authority to offer sacrifices that make an appeal on your behalf before God didn't think very much of you, didn't see you as included, didn't even seem to want you around. Can we relate to that? It goes deeper than feeling like we're on the outside of a friend circle and just wanting an invite to the party, doesn't it? Do we sometimes feel like We don't belong, like we're not good enough to be part of the church. Do we sometimes feel like those (coughs) who are in leadership aren't doing their jobs that well? Aren't representing us that well? Aren't caring enough about us to care about what has hurt us? Don't care enough about us to stop hurting us. Do we sometimes feel like we aren't worthy of God's attention, of his call, of his grace, of his love, of his mercy? And do the people in the church, those that God has called to advocate for us, do they sometimes strengthen these doubts and fears that we have about God and his intentions towards us? And as we, as as I, wrestle with these questions, we are hit with questions about us in the church as well, aren't we? From 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, the apostle writes, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Chosen people in this passage is not referring to the people of Israel, but to the church, to all believers, and is declaring that we are a royal priesthood, and so through faith we are priests and priestesses of God, and we are called to advocate for each other that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light, that we might proclaim the truths of God's promises to each other. How are we doing with that? Do we proclaim God's promises for each other clearly and well? Maybe to those we get along with. How about those that we struggle with? How about that person that holds different convictions than you do, be they political or theological or practical? Maybe they don't parent like you think they should. Maybe they lean a little too far right or a little too far left for your political preferences. Maybe they view certain aspects of Scripture differently than you do, and you you struggle with that, and so you struggle with them. And we we haven't just been called to advocate for those in the pews with us, have we? How are we viewing those that have not yet come to join us in belief? How do we view and interact with those that have different struggles and addictions than we do? How do we view with those that sin in ways that make us incredibly uncomfortable? 
Have we put up walls? Have we pushed them away? Have we shown them the love that God has for them? Or have we made them feel like they don't belong? Like they are a lesser cast of person because they don't act and live the way that we do, or at least the way that we let others think that we do. Church, priesthood of all believers, have we been good priests and priestesses? Have we and are we advocating well? Do we have the eyes to view our fellow sinner saints in the pews and our lost brothers and sisters outside the church with the eyes that God has for them? Do we advocate for them well? Do we hurt for them like Christ does? How are we doing with that? How am I doing with that? Because of our sinfulness, the priesthood of all believers, all those who have faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, have failed to be perfect advocates just as the priests in the Old Testament and the Sadducees of the New Testament did. How thankful I am for the one that came to perfectly fulfill the role of priest. Our text this morning opens with the statement, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Last week we saw how Jesus came as a prophet and perfectly fulfilled what the prophets of old could not. And this week we see how Christ has come as the great high priest and that he has done what every other priest could not. Christ advocates for us perfectly. And though he is God, he can empathize with our weaknesses. For though he is God, he came to earth and was born into the brokenness of human existence. He felt what we feel. He suffered through temptations, hardships, and trials. He knew the motivations of hunger and thirst. He is able to empathize, understand, relate to our weaknesses and our pain and our suffering. For as our text states, he was tempted in every way. Every way way. Sometimes I think it's hard for us to wrap our minds around that, but it's true. The Bible states it clearly. Christ was tempted as we have been tempted. How have you been tempted? What temptations are you wrestling with? Christ was tempted with those temptations. He wrestled with them as well. It blows my mind, but again, the Bible makes this very clear. But where we fall to temptation, Jesus never lost his balance. He never once slipped into the sin that is born from temptation. He was perfect and has remained perfect. Though tempted, Christ's righteousness has never been in question, which is a pretty big deal. For though he never sinned, Jesus was convicted in a rigged trial and sentenced to the death reserved for great sinners, the death on a cross. And so up the road to Calvary, he carried the cross. And with the cross, he carried the sins of the world. And as they nailed him to the tree, the Bible tells us that he became sin for us. All those times that we were tempted and slipped into sin, all those times that we were not advocates, the priesthood that we have been called to be, all those times that we selfishly pursued our own agendas, all those times that we messed up, we lied, we cheated, we lashed out. Every sin we have ever committed, Jesus took upon himself on the cross, became them. And there on the cross, he died for them, paying the price that we could not. 
But three days later, he rose from the grave, defeating sin and death. And when we believe in him, when we trust in him, when we rest in the faith that he has given us, the dirty rags of our sin are taken from us and we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Because Jesus never sinned, his righteousness is intact. It is flawless. It is perfect. And through faith, it is given to us. Through faith, we are covered in it. How, how awesome is that? After Christ rose from the dead, he spent a bit more time on earth and he appeared to his disciples and continued doling out some coaching and teaching. And then he ascended into heaven where he sits at the right hand of God the Father. And as he sits at the right hand of God, he advocates, Jesus advocates for us. He is the mouthpiece for us. He is our high priest. And so because of Jesus, the one who took our sin, the one who is intimately aware of all that we have done wrong and all that we will ever do wrong, who had all of this information and still loves us and still died for us, paying the price for those sins, because our Lord and Savior is advocating for us and because we have been clothed in his righteousness, we can approach the throne of God. The author of Hebrews goes on to talk about this in Hebrews 7, verses 26 to 27, where we read, Such a high priest truly meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sin and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. I don't know where you are in your journey this morning. I don't know where your relationship with the Lord is. I don't know where you are in your fight against the temptations, the sins that have their hooks in you. What I do know is that sin and temptation still have their hooks in you. And that when we know we should be doing something and we fail to do it, shame becomes an unwanted companion. On those Sunday afternoons when my friend, my supposed advocate, went to their mother and just laid it out there, laid out that it was my scheming, that it set the wheels in motion, it was me that wanted to come over, not so much them that wanted to have me over, that it was my pushing. So it was my desperation that was on full display, it was humiliating. It made me feel shame to be laid bare like that. But it wasn't so humiliating that it stopped me from hoping that my friend's mom would say yes. Friend, I don't know where you are on your journey. I don't know if you're struggling with shame or regret or humiliation over the failings that have plagued your past. But can you relate to a young boy who just wanted to feel wanted? who wanted to feel included, who wanted others to organically desire his company? Can you relate to a young boy who struggled with his self-worth, who wondered why it had to be so hard and so embarrassing, why he had to flirt with shame to feel included and desired? If you can relate to that young boy, I pray that the work of your high priest on your behalf, the work of Christ done for you, that through faith you might be reconciled to the Father will bring you some encouragement. You are wanted. You are desired. Jesus went to incredible lengths and unimaginable suffering that you might know you are loved, wanted, and desired, that you are special, that you are fantastic, 
And know that this Jesus, this Savior, this Lord, this High Priest is now with the Father advocating for you. So when you believe in Jesus, when you believe in His sacrifice on your behalf, when God looks at us, He doesn't see our shame or our failings. He sees the righteousness of Christ and He says, Yes. Yes, child, I have brought you into my family. Yes, child, I have saved you. Yes, child, all the promises that I have made, I will keep. You are safe. You are loved. You have a hope and a future. You are forgiven. On account of our perfect high priest, we have been reconciled to God. And the one who advocates for us will never fail. As we remember our advocate, may we strive, may we be pushed to be better advocates ourselves. We will never do it perfectly. And as we repent of the times we failed, may we push forward, striving to do better, intending to love our neighbors better, pushing to love our fellow sinners better, striving to be a better advocate for the lost. We've all been called to the priesthood, for through faith we are the priesthood of all believers, the big C church, the body of Christ. And so we are called to minister to each other and to the world. Each of our roles will look different. The ways that God calls us to his mission will be different, but none of us is exempt. We are all called. How, how church, will we answer? This Advent season, let us celebrate the promises we have in Christ. Let us celebrate the coming of our perfect high priest, our fantastic advocate, who was born in a manger, in a little almost forgotten town, to the sound of an angel choir. What promise that night held. And what promise we will one day rejoice in again when Christ comes a second time to set all things right. What a fantastic loving, gracious, and merciful God we serve. Amen.